0: All right. I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. Back and ready for action. I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov at LevPo on Twitter. And we are here today with uh, the great and powerful Janati Stolyarov II, uh, who is the chairman of the United States Transhumanist Party. And with us, we have once again the great Kristan T. Harris, a man of many talents. You were there for the uh, Kenosha... Uh, tragedy and chaos and you were able to talk to uh, kyle rittenhouse and you were actually in the trial uh of kyle rittenhouse so there's a lot of very interesting uh, things that you've done that you've accomplished uh you were there during january 6th as well and all that so we are going to be talking today about neither of those things well who knows what the evening's going to bring but we're specifically going to be talking about the trails that occur from airplanes perhaps some of them occur for bad purposes. And we are going to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on here.
1: I think it would not surprise any of the viewers that I do not give any credence to conspiracy theories involving trails in the sky. They are, of course, quite common. They are contrails from aircraft that carry passengers or carry goods, and it would be highly implausible, in my view, for those same aircraft to be used for nefarious purposes, essentially in a conspiracy so vast as to involve hundreds of thousands of pilots and traffic control personnel and passengers who, fly on these aircraft routinely and somehow wouldn't be noticing anything. It seems to me that in order to be effective, any conspiracy would have to be fairly small in scope and in terms of the number of people who are quote in on it. And the larger the scope becomes, the harder it is to actually keep this information steel So there have been numerous studies essentially debunking the idea that the trails left by the common passenger aircraft or other common aircraft in the sky are anything toxic, anything harmful to human health. This is essentially just water vapor that condenses. And sometimes due to weather phenomena, those trails remain in the sky for a longer period of time. They become kind of these long cloud-like streaks. That doesn't mean there's anything untoward happening with them. Now, a lot of people are confusing these phenomena with cloud seeding, intentional cloud seeding, which is a real practice that has been undertaken since the First World War II period in the United States and in other parts of the world. Now, cloud seeding is sometimes performed deliberately to affect the weather locally, like in an area that is subject to drought, clouds could be seeded to cause a rain. Like in Dubai, they've been doing that, for instance, because it is a dry area and they want to have a lusher climate there. That is not an activity that is capable of affecting the climate long term. It is able to make it rain in a particular area every once in a while. Now, there have been some studies, some reports by the U.S. government about cloud seeding and the broader term geoengineering or climate engineering which has been posited as a possible way of either counteracting climate change or perhaps improving the climate in certain arid parts of the country. And I think this whole uh, conspiracy about trails in the sky was attached to those reports by association, but it was definitely a misconstrued Type of association. It was largely propagated by Art Bell, who was a talk show host in the late 1990s. He died in 2018, I believe. But it's unfortunate because when a lot of people think about geoengineering, this conspiracy theory comes to mind. And really, that's not what geoengineering is about. Most positive techniques of geoengineering don't have anything to do with spraying things out of aircraft for instance one possible geoengineering approach which has received a lot of research is called carbon capture and storage so one finds ways to remove excess carbon dioxide from the Earth's atmosphere and store it and possibly convert it to useful materials. For instance, one can even compress it into bricks that are used for construction. And of course, with the dire housing shortage that we have in the United States and in other countries in the Western world, we need more housing construction fast. So this could be one way to pursue it. Another approach to climate engineering could be, uh, for instance, changing the composition of the oceans uh, for instance adding lime or iron to the oceans in order to enable certain forms of marine life to uh, flourish there or to be more resilient there and that could counteract some of the deleterious effects of climate change on the biodiversity of the oceans so another application of geoengineering Uh, could be simply redistribution of moisture uh, and water. So the oceans, of course, are filled with salt water and inland areas in the United States are often suffering from droughts. In Israel, they are already doing something to this extent. They are building desalination plants on the coast and piping the water inland to irrigate the inland areas. So could we do something like that on the coast of California, build a a lot of desalination plants and pipe the water inland to central and Eastern California and to Nevada. All of those areas are often subject to extremely dry weather. And I think in the longer term, geoengineering could be used to control the extremes of weather. I often think that the rhetoric that is used by uh, people who want something to be done about climate change is a bit off putting to the general public because the general public doesn't understand what is the big deal about the average temperature changing by a few degrees, given the fact that every year we encounter changes in temperature, uh, say, by 40, 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit sometimes. uh, And we're generally okay with that. Uh, But I think if people were to understand what the real problems with climate change are, they're problems of extremes of weather. So it's not that during the winter it's going to be cold and during the summer it's going to be hot. Uh, It's that during the winter sometimes you might get a devastating waves of snowstorms, unlike anything that a particular area has seen. And during the summer, you might have a few days of extreme heat and extreme drought and all of the crops die and people start having health problems because of the heat. So those are really the kinds of phenomena that could be prevented. So I could imagine an application of geoengineering in the future that curtails those extremes of weather and then the average temperature changes might not be as important. So I think that is what the term geoengineering ought to come to mean in the public discourse. I think uh, any idea that there's malicious spraying of chemicals out of aircraft right now clouds that particular issue, no pun intended, and results in A lot of people being unnecessarily suspicious of geoengineering and maybe unwilling to engage in the discourse about ethics, about what are the best approaches, about what are some of the real caveats and reservations that people ought to have. And those are certainly concerns that I'm happy to discuss, but I think the term geoengineering needs to be understood in this broader sense.
2: Um, I got to hear a large part of what Gennady had to say, and there's a lot of things I agree with. First of all, I want everyone to know that there's a lot of forms of geoengineering, and when we talk about chemtrails, we're specifically talking about chemicals being sprayed in the sky. Um, Chemtrails is a slang term, um, and the conspiracy started in majority, as many people would call it a conspiracy under the guise that, uh, there may be potential blowback from geoengineering the weather. Um, this has been a long, a long case. It isn't specific to, you know, commuter jets or being added just to jet fuel, which was mentioned as a, um, recommended form of distribution in 2008 by the, one of the top, uh, what was it one of the top professors on atmospheric at the science department called Colorado state university named William R. Cotton saying that they could just add it to the jet fuel because of the nanoparticles. So a couple things I want to clarify, first of all, Gennady, uh, I know is well intentioned, but there has been no uh, research on whether or not they are spring uh, chemicals and their potential harm on humanity. In fact, this started peculiarly, peculiarly uh, very oddly, I'll say. I can't even talk today. Very oddly um, in 1991. The reason why it's odd is because a bunch of coincidences happened around 1991. And we'll get into that. But in order to know... What we're talking about when we mentioned chemtrails, we should discuss and define what it is. And basically, uh, it is just that it's spraying um, chemicals in the sky to modify the weather. That was the origin. That's the most basic form of it. Now, it's evolved into a lot of different avenues of conspiracies, everything from geoengineering the planet so reptilians can live here to, uh, you know, just the most bizarre random thing. But in its purest form, it came out with concerns that certain chemicals that were being used were responsible uh, for contamination of things like uh, the water and our land. And to explain this was geoengineering. Um, so first of all, I want to say I believe that there's a global contamination that is going ongoing due to accelerating climate interventions known as solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injections. This is aircraft dispersed elements. I believe we are breathing fine particulate matter. Uh, in the nanoparticle size, which no major air quality, no major air quality institution is testing for. Uh, I'm going to tell you why, because in 1991, the EPA decided they are no longer testing any, uh, for any particles smaller than two microns. Well, these microns happen to be below 0. 0.45 microns. So of course, if they're not testing for it, there's no studies. So there's no proof that there's any of this going on. And we're going to dive into how we know which ingredients they are and why I'm concerned. Um, You know, uh, when I read these poorly sourced sites that are fact checkers of the uh, the narrative and they say that there's no proof that the chemtrails exist, it's because they're not testing. I'm making that very simple and honest for you. There's no proof of tests of anything on this other than uh, California did tests uh, as far as government agencies, Hawaii government agencies did tests and a bunch of citizens have done tests and they've in uh, majority come to the conclusions that I'm going to provide you. Um, and I'm going to tell you how we know what chemicals are being used and how it was discovered. Um, there are also um, there's also a mention of impact that these nanoparticles could have on our soil, on our sky and, and breathing. Um, let's be honest, if you look at the smaller the particles, the more potential there is for toxicity uh, because it enters through the respiratory system. It depends on their composition and also their synergetic toxicity. So some geoengineering and some spring of chemicals may have no harm on you. But the fact is, is because of the fact in 2000, the USA called for an intervi- uh, international gathering for Climatologists under the umbrella of UN International Panel on, Cl- Panel on Climate Change uh, to present the positive and negative test results gained from 1991 to 2000 and decreasing the air temperature over the entire United States by geoengineering through cloud seeding the stratosphere, which is what uh, geo, which was, was what Gennady said. Cloud seeding is very popular, but the 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 way they did it was what was called the Well-Spock, uh Clouds uh, Stratospheric Wellsbach seeding. It's a mouthful. Wellsbach, spelled W E L S B A C K uh, chemical particles. And those chemical particles, when you look up the patent, are aluminum oxide, our barium, and our stratium. And we have now uh, a major international agricultural research and testing facility that has now actually done some tests. And they have come out and they believe in the United States, on average, over 10,000 tons of aluminum oxide alone is being spread in the United States. There's no doubt, there's proof in samples that across the United States, the, the amount of aluminum is increasing in our ground and soil samples. Now, a lot of scientists will argue that, you know, plants will reject this once they reach their tolerance and we shouldn't worry about it being in our food and everything else. Uh, but the truth is, is it could also be what is responsible for nutrient, um, you know, like they're saying food isn't having enough nutrients anymore. We're not getting enough nutrients in the soil. Well, aluminum is a main cause of that because plants will shut down their um nutrient uptake process when they reach the maximum uh, ingestion of these chemicals. There's also other coincidences that happened around this. But all this was decided in 1991 during the time of UN Agenda 21. And uh, Stratospheric Wellsbach cloud seeding was definitely used for at least 10 years, we know, because of the UN meeting. And this is also cataloged in a... um, uh, actually, an article by a Cairo professor discussing that. And if anyone wants the name of that, I could pull that up too. It's also available on um, a website, I believe, called. A research gate, which is very popular amongst researchers, people filing patents and everything else that discusses the whole idea of the stratospheric aerosol injection method, which is exactly what's going on. So it's not a weather, it's not a matter of if it's happening, it is happening. And the reason why I believe it's very plausible that it's happening, not only that they admit it, is that if you truly believed that there's a climate emergency, you believe the world can potentially be near devastation in nine years, you would believe that asking forgiveness is easier than asking permission from the people. I also believe that these elitists throughout history have proven that they believe that the uh, the means uh, the and and uh, the means justify the end, meaning that. If they don't ask and they use these chemicals to reflect the sun, to emit cooling on the planet, that uh, they are doing the world a just deed regardless of the repercussions. Now, aluminum causes things like Alzheimer's. There's been stories over the last 10 years. They don't know why the bees can't find the beehives. I'm not suggesting there's a correlation there. I'm just saying coincidences of things that are happening. A lot of things in ground sample, like I said, there's tons of ground sample tests, tons of water tests. You can look them up. I can have them sent to you. I've done research on this that show large amounts of barium and aluminum uh, in the water and in the soil increasing in areas like California, Hawaii, New York City, even in other places like Italy and Australia. And so this is a UN thing. This is an agenda thing. And I believe for sure that the form of cloud seeding, which is the Wellsbeck uh, cloud seeding process, is what they were using because that's what they admit to in their own papers. Now, that's all I could say. I know up to 2000. Could it have stopped? It's possible, but I doubt it because of whistleblower in 2009 that came forward from the military named uh, Kristen Megan Kelly, who was an industrial hygienist. and I happen to know her and I've interviewed her as well as other climate scientists on this subject. She worked for the military and claimed that they were spraying aerosols in the sky. And when she tested the ground, she found aluminum barium and uh, strontium, as well as she was able to check at the military base. That is what they were spraying, and she blew the whistle on that. So we have a whistleblower. We have multiple scientists. We have uh, the United Nations admitting that they are using the, the original chemtrail conspiracy or toxic chemicals in the air, and we should be concerned. I think that them not testing for... Uh, particulate matter such as nanoparticles below two microns is dangerous they should be testing for those things because if they are that might be what is causing a lot of our health issues and if you look at the money that's going behind this specific type of weather modification it's george soros he's calling for more of it now there's plenty of different other styles of weather modification that are going on many of them which are silver iodine uh you know a sulfur is another popular one um, and, you know, there are patents for creating clouds, ionized clouds, creating snow, creating storms, lessening storms, even potentially at some level trying to control hurricanes in a very small way. Now, I'm not saying that Gennady is intentionally wrong. I just say I disagree with them, and that evidence at least garners enough information that it's worth investigating into. So, uh, yeah, Gennady, which uh, elements of
0: uh, Christan's, uh uh, conversation here would you like to sink your teeth into and find out what more can we actually verify here
1: yes so i think Kristan has made many claims many assertions of fact and i think for every one of them one would need to have detailed evidence to delve into i don't know how much time we will have for this but i can provide my general impression. And my general impression is christan thinks that humanity is a lot further along in its technological capabilities to control the weather or the climate than it in fact is. And a lot of the ideas that he mentions are essentially just glimmers in people's eyes. They're research agendas that haven't been implemented in practice at any significant scale so for instance solar radiation management which is a proposed approach to geoengineering receives about 10 million dollars per year in research funding what can be done on an earth-wide climate-wide scale with 10 million dollars in research funding furthermore in 2021 there was a report by the u.s national academy of sciences engineering and medicine that recommended an investment of 100 to 200 million dollars over five years to develop these approaches now most fields of research right now including longevity research which we know is quite significantly underfunded compared to where we would like it to be, already receive more than $200 million a year in funding. And yet, of course, we don't have indefinite life extension. We don't have age reversal demonstrated at scale in human beings, even though those ideas have received a lot more backing and there are many more institutions working on them. Likewise, with stratospheric aerosol injection. It's an interesting concept, but it hasn't been happening yet. The majority of the work on it has been modeling and lab work. So they might have demonstrated proofs of concept within the laboratory. That doesn't mean it's actively happening right now that there is aluminum or nanoparticles being sprayed into the atmosphere. Anthony Nielsen, who is our U.S. Transhumanist Party Director of Technology Outreach, writes in the chat, this type of technology would have evidence of patents available online for public access. Unless
0: it's black budget.
2: I have the patents. Here, I'll pull it up Ooh. for you right here. It's right there in the chat. Okay. It's patent 500 and um, by That's the way, the w- you can screen share as well if you want to. Oh, sure, I'll, I can. I'm just letting you know. I, I already know yes. all this. I've done the research. I've, I've interviewed people like, and I, I Gennady says $10 million. This is an international thing. It's worked with international airliners amongst many other things in my research. So like uh, there are plenty, there's over like weather modification patents started in 1891. There's over 200 different patents dealing with mo- weather modifications and systems that can modify the weather. You can go right now and pay $150,000 and have cloud seeding done so you can have a sunny day on your wedding. Right. At least you that's have, what they claim. You
1: can have cloud seeding Done and but that's again, different
2: than local, stratospheric injection. Right, you, local
1: jurisdictions have had cloud seeding done to, uh, for instance, introduce rain to mm. a dry area. But the effects of that on weather more generally or climate more generally, beyond the specific event that those uh, cloud seeding approaches were intended to trigger, have been minimal. So it's possible to slightly increase the precipitation in an area if you do that, mm. particularly if you've been in a long drought and you need it to rain. Well, well we can, we can avoid same.
2: those for now. Like, I want to see the patent specifically Yeah, the patent's the, pulled uh, up right here. I have it on the screen for you guys. It's the stratospheric Wellsback seating seeding for reduction in global warming. This is the patent that was also hyped in uh, UN meetings in 91, and this is also the one that was mentioned in 2000. And I mean, I could probably just look up aluminum, and here it is. It pops up. Aluminum oxide is a suitable for the purpose. Uh, oxidized metals, sulfur, and uh, as well as barium. So you guys can dig through that. But uh, here's the patent number. I'll put it on the screen. US 53186A is the number. And that's just one of many patents. Like literally I have over in my wardrobe over 200 different (laughs) patents dealing with geoengineering. And this is the one that is most prominent because I believe that they truly believe that the earth was warming and that was uh, a last ditch effort to help uh, kind of cause some climate interventional ism out there but hey if you guys don't believe that the the technology is there like Gennady is then I wouldn't spend $150,000 to give cloud seeding for the weather now you said 10 million dollars I've read reports as high as 100 million dollars but I'd have to pull research and whether those are in the United States alone or if that's an international investment but I did see a report that they, they they believe over 50 million tons of aluminum oxide is used annually globally um, and uh, 10 million in the United States alone uh, annually. Well, uh, I for, want to see that so. report because yeah. this
0: patents good, but a patent does not necessarily mean that this is implemented. So it's exactly. right th- correct.
2: Correct, correct, correct. But you guys are asking me to look up sure. stuff in the middle of sure, sure, uh, sure. No, no, I understand. This is going to be
0: this is going to be a very high paced, very intense in that sense. But I think it is important to actually get this information out there, and I really appreciate you, Kristan, being able to do so. While you would be looking for that second thing, which is the actual implementation of it, Janati, what do you think? Like you were asking, uh, hey, where's right. the patent? The patent's right there. Uh, So the patent is
1: there. Of course, not all inventions that are patented are actually deployed. And that is another element of the burden of proof that Kristan would need to meet. But Anthony Nielsen also writes that he has used aluminum oxide nanoparticles for research and development, and it is generally regarded as safe to do so according to the SDS sheets. However, if he were to be handling large amounts of nanoparticle metal oxide compounds, uh, he was told he would need to use a respirator. And I think there's a difference between handling something in a close setting, like in a lab where you're dealing with large quantities of it that could be released suddenly, and a few nanoparticles here and there in the atmosphere, keep in mind, in the atmosphere not at ground level where people are breathing in the air. So let's say every once in a while you inhale one or two nanoparticles. Is that going to damage you? Probably not. And there's even a question of whether they will even come down to uh, our altitude. And there's a question of whether they're even being deployed to begin with. But I wanted to share an observation that was made by Edward Snowden. Now, Edward Snowden, I think you would agree, is not somebody to cover up any conspiracies that he might have come across. But as an NSA analyst, he had access to pretty much all of the secret classified information of the U.S. government. And if there were something untoward there, he would know about it. And he said, essentially, in case you were
0: wondering, uh-oh, now Gennady's
2: gone. Uh-oh. But we got you, Kriston. Yeah, I was so. wondering who I was debating. People in the chat are Gennady here for a second. <laughs> <Right>. well, no, <laughs> I didn't no, know that, I could phone friends. I could have invited some scientists on ET, with me. To phone home. All <laughs> right, I, I'm reading
1: it. Snowden is not in the chat with us. I wish he were. But this is what he's saying. Uh, he's, he's saying, I had ridiculous access to the networks of the NSA, the CIA, the military, all of these groups... I couldn't find anything. So Edward Snowden wouldn't be in on the conspiracy. He would have no reason. He yeah, but the DHS wants- is
2: separate from military. They're, they're completely different operations and militaries who's running it. Um, but that's my opinion. So I, I apologize, goodnight. I didn't mean to interrupt this right. bad, so bad uh, behavior there.
1: I think in terms of conspiracies, we can dispense with the idea that there is some current secret ongoing US government effort to engineer the climate. There have been some discussions and proposals about how it might potentially be done, and I wouldn't be surprised if the United Nations were involved in that, if the United Nations published studies on how it might possibly be done, but from my understanding of these discussions the overwhelming majority of climate scientists and officials are actually skeptical about geoengineering because they're overcautious. so the problem may actually be the opposite of what those who think there's a conspiracy are asserting that is the problem may be that there are excessive attempts to limit efforts at geoengineering or to proceed with too much caution in the face of some clear issues with the climate and i don't have to talk about hypothetical increases in average temperature because as i've said that's really an ineffective way to communicate it i can point to the devastating wildfires in california right now or the fact that in northern nevada for several weeks, sometimes a month or more out of each year, the air becomes the most polluted air in the world because that amount of smoke gets blown over into the valleys Mm. of northern Nevada by the winds. Or what's going on
0: with China as far as the amount of pollution that's produced there, and that ends up going all around the world. It's definitely not great, but we have a comment over here from Graf. Uh, That's the name of a character from Xenogears. Uh, So Graf says, don't discount the degree of... Compartmentalization. I'm so happy. I'm so proud I was able
2: to say that word correctly. So <laughs> we're having a stroke on air today, all of us. We yes. can right? barely, so barely get is, anything on.
0: This is an important uh, part, which I think uh, a lot of people end up sleeping on. If we recall what ended up happening with the CIA and the Iran-Contra hearings when the CIA was uh, uh, caught uh, sending, uh, you know, transporting uh, the um, uh, the coke and all that, you know, through, through the airplanes. So that was not the entire CIA. That was a specific uh, amount of people in there. I'm not sure who was the person who was, like, at the top, who was in charge that knew about it. Maybe that was an example of this going all the way to the top. But when things are compartmentalized in that fashion, I can definitely imagine there being a case where whole departments have no idea what's going on. I mean, just think back to the Manhattan Project, how you had all these people that were working on the same thing, even though they had no idea what it ultimately ended up being. So why can't we assume the same may be going on when it comes to any, whether we're talking about advanced technology that'll blow our entire minds? You know, like, these are things that could be potentially... um, out there, which is not to say that they are. It is to say that I think it's only fair that we make room for the idea that these things, if if it is possible for them to be compartmentalized like that, then we shouldn't uh, just uh, uh, ignore that. I know, Gennady, what do you think?
1: Now, there could be some compartmentalization with regard to specific research, but keep in mind with something like the Manhattan Project, that was a top priority goal of the U.S., Federal government and the entire leadership structure of the US federal government was certainly in on it. They were seeking to develop a weapon that could, in their view, win the war against Japan. Now, in my view, it was completely unnecessary because Japan would have surrendered anyway. They were more worried about being invaded by Stalin than being occupied by the United States. And the fear of Stalin. Invading Japan would have led to a surrender perhaps a few weeks or a few months after The surrender actually happened in our timeline. However, uh, notwithstanding The consensus at the top levels of government at the time and really throughout the general society Was that these kinds of weapons of mass destruction wouldn't be quote that bad because other forms of mass destruction were being used routinely in war at the time think of the dresden fire bombings for example which were just as devastating as the nuclear attacks on uh, hiroshima and nagasaki it's just that they were done using a lot of conventional weapons so people were kind of desensitized to that right now the ethical consensus within the u.s government and with a lot of global bodies is quite different, and that is we should tread very carefully and avoid any possible risks of these technologies. This is because the so-called precautionary principle dominates the decision-making. And transhumanists have often criticized the precautionary principle as essentially Uh, Stating well, we shouldn't do anything the first time or we shouldn't do anything until we're absolutely certain there could be no possible Adverse effects, but you that
0: assumes people follow the rules doesn't it like I understand what you're saying But there's no way you can get into the minds of the people who are currently in power and know okay They're gonna follow this rule which kind of makes sense to me, but because I'm a transhumanist I may uh, err more on the side of throwing caution to the wind. There's no way either of us know whether or not that's what they're thinking
1: well but let's look at the preponderance of the evidence obviously i can't look into the mind of someone like joe biden but i would highly doubt that joe biden would be uh, very inclined to uh run the risk of disrupting the climate or human health uh, at the cost of a lot of controversy perhaps his electoral success he seems to me a lot more conventionally minded he seems to me
0: to be I don't a know lot if more is the right word when we we're talking uh, about, uh, well, Biden, I thought but, I thought
2: there was just this Ohio disaster where there was a big chemical spill and it didn't really exist according to the Biden administration and there's no real yeah, toxicity or, or, or concern I'm, uh, I'm just yeah. throwing it out yeah. there, Ganadi. That yeah. might not that's not the direction so I look at. So that think was, it was a just, specific
1: yeah. incident, but it, but it's interesting to uh, look at that incident and see what actually happened. So. There was a a train derailment, clearly not anything that was intentional. What was intentional was the release of the chemicals from the train that was a kind of controlled explosion. They thought they could do a controlled explosion, but that wasn't uh, a direct order from the federal government. The federal government, of course, was embarrassed by it, but it's hard to cover something like that up. So even as the federal government was saying, oh, you shouldn't worry about it, the drinking water is fine or the air quality is fine and people started manifesting adverse health effects, that line of argument from the federal government couldn't really be sustained. And I think most people in the United States do believe there are some health risks from that train derailment and so-called controlled explosion. We're not seeing that with the chemtrails, the, the allegation of chemtrails mm. that testing have been it. made. And people are not coming in droves saying, oh, I got XYZ adverse condition from this in a way that could be connected to it. Mm. And keep in mind, it's really difficult to cover up something of that magnitude, of that scale, that continues to pose these kinds of health effects. So I actually think the Ohio train derailment is an illustration of what would happen if these kinds of phenomena were real. We would have people throughout the country, perhaps throughout the world, up in arms. Uh, Think about how angry the residents of that community in East Palestine, Ohio are right now. We would have that on a much more massive scale if, Chemtrails were real.
0: Well, Janari, it's actually very funny that you're saying this right now, specifically because if we're talking about the uh, train derailments, when I looked on Wikipedia, on the amount of rail accidents that have occurred. It's actually very interesting because when you're in the early uh, 2000s, you're not going to get that many, like 2003 to 2009, like maybe seven or so in total. And then when you're going into 2020, 2021, 2022, it is outrageous. Like I could just look over here and I'll send you this Wikipedia entry. Maybe, you know what? I'm gonna send this in the chat. Kristan, you can open this up and I am going to uh, broadcast this link because it is, it is quite something, Genati, Because you would think that there would be, you know, regardless of, you know, COVID or not COVID, you wouldn't think that people would become so inept at handling the situation on the uh, rail lines that you would go from like seven in the span of a couple of years to like 20 or 30 in a single year. So when it comes to something like that, I'm sorry, Genati, but it smells. And when I say it smells, I mean it smells like sabotage. But Kriston, you see the link that I have over here, the sure. uh, Wikipedia like, link. Sure. Like, first of all, I want to say yeah.
2: Wikipedia is not a valuable source of any sort. True. Of universities True. Okay. don't accept it. I can't, as a journalist, I can't use it. Um, but uh, listen, I, I'm going to take an opposite viewpoint. I think train derailments, although they're not as common, they do happen, and I think that having more train derailments is, if they were all chemical, like issues and trains keeling over in cities with chemicals on them and them having to burn them up, I would say, yeah, there's a lot more correlation there. It's okay to investigate. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with asking these questions, but I don't think it's the right question. Uh, I think asking the right question is halfway to the right answer. And in this scenario, we have to ask, uh, why did the chemical company not let the city know Uh, beforehand that they were having these chemicals uh, come through which is proper protocol so that they can let local jurisdictions in the area know to have a hazmat team ready to respond because their city is not prepared for that kind of chemical derailment and they're supposed to like there's all these breakdowns that went on in the whole process so I think there's more to it uh, than Meets the eye. I don't think it's a, a con- I know that there's a lot of things. Well, there going were on.
0: five. There were five derailments just in the span of two months of this year. And there were like 27 last year. And again, I'm not saying that they're all ha- that they all have to be sabotage. But when you get that much of a difference between, you know, the uh, years before and what's going on now I don't even think we should necessarily think of it as, oh, they're going to only go for chemicals. I think that just like things have been done by the Japanese, let's say, uh, during World War II in the United States and other countries, you know, this happened, you have people who end up sabotaging the local factories, the local train stations. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And today I think one of the suspects may be Russia. Because, yeah.
1: uh, I... Just sent you and Kristan in our chat links to two more Wikipedia pages. So you had provided the list of rail accidents from 2020 to 2022. I provided the list of rail accidents from 2010 to 2019 Mm -hmm. and from 2000 to 2009. And just at a glance, obviously, I can't read all of this while we're having this conversation. Just at a glance, there seemed to be a lot of rail accidents during those prior decades as well that have been well documented so i'm not necessarily seeing an obvious increase in the frequency of railway accidents that's not to say there couldn't be an increase in the frequency of the railway accidents i would need to study the statistics in greater detail but if there is an increase i don't think that's necessarily due to sabotage it could be due to the deterioration of our infrastructure especially in the united states Infrastructure has been incredibly poorly maintained. There was a surge in infrastructure construction between the 1950s and the 1970s. And since that time, because of bureaucratic obstacles, because of zoning regulations, because of NIMBYs who block any construction proposal that they could uh, potentially have the ability to block, there has been, unfortunately, Uh, woefully insufficient infrastructure maintenance. And after a few decades of that, I wouldn't be surprised that there would be more train derailments. I wouldn't be surprised if we're still running on 1970s era infrastructure that over time, as the infrastructure gets worn out and isn't kept uh, up to the proper safety standards, more trains are going to go off the rails and if they're carrying sensitive hazardous materials there will be contamination so that is a real problem and i don't and i don't, and I don't want the stream get to
0: get off the rails uh, either so i want to go back to the uh, uh main conversation the only other thing that i would say before that though is that uh if you were uh, a member of the russian government if you were a member of the kremlin Regardless of whether some of these or maybe all of these are just uh, the result of this bad infrastructure Would that not be a great opportunity to cease upon that if Russia is I mean that the United States if the United States is arming our enemy right now Well, we're gonna show them. We're going to try to cause as much chaos as we possibly can So I wouldn't put it past them like if you were working for the Russian government Genati, Wouldn't you see that as a good opportunity? I would think that, yes, the Russian government
1: may be trying to sow chaos. I think the ability of the Russian government to sow chaos is a lot more limited than many people in the West suspect. And the parallel I can draw is to the invasion of Ukraine itself. So many people in the West were thinking it was a matter of days or weeks before Ukraine would fall to the Invasion of Putin's forces and now we're more than a year into that war and this hasn't happened yet And it's not immediately because of Western aid to Ukraine that largely came later It was immediately because of the rampant corruption incompetence lack of coordination lack of good materials in the military so if Putin's military is that uncoordinated and incompetent and corrupt I think it's fair to extrapolate that to other segments of his government, to his intelligence services, to his propaganda arms, to any agents that he might have in the United States. And yes, uh, great powers do spy on one another and try to infiltrate one another. That happens routinely. But how well, how successfully can Putin's government pull that off? I really think Putin is a paper tiger. I think people in the United States are far more afraid of what his regime is capable of doing than what it is actually capable of doing. In fact, the United States has the overwhelming advantage as a superpower over Russia, but the United States fails at maintaining its own infrastructure and really does a disservice to the quality of life of its own people because of this excessive focus on demons abroad rather than the problems we
2: have here at home yeah i was gonna say guys uh between the two of you the one thing i disagree with i think that there's more threat 10 feet from the white house than there is from russia and ukraine um that's my personal opinion that there's more threat to our liberties and freedoms and everything else here in the united states coming out of congress and these agreements with international corporatists and globalists that are mm-hmm. uh impacting our education system uh the, you just keep in mind like Uh, Gennady kept mentioning something that uh, if it's a conspiracy that big, there'd be a whistleblower. That was the same concept behind JFK and Lee Harvey Oswald. And now we're more and more information coming out that the CIA was more involved than what we thought behind that. So uh, I'm going to say. We can get to the whistleblowers as far as the.
0: as far as the uh, chemtrails go, yeah,
2: we we can we can uh, I can actually give you uh, Krista Megan Kelly's context because she was recently involved heavily with uh, discussing you know the mask mandates and because she was a industrial hygienist for the military and the military did not advise ma- advise masks for their soldiers and she said that's because they don't work uh, not the ones that they were giving everyone the n 95s are known to work and uh, be able to help with things like coronavirus. Um, and she took a lot of heat for telling the truth, and now studies have come out to provide that she was correct. Uh, and uh, Kristen Megan Kelly blew the whistle, I believe, it was in either 2008 or 2007. There's a whole video on it. She's done spe- a whole bunch of engagements on it, and um, I'd be more than happy to introduce you guys to her. Uh, and she was the one that was doing actual sampling of the ground, worked for the military, verified that those—that's what was being sprayed. Um, And so that's why I believe it's going on. Like, I can understand why people don't believe it. I can understand there's variations in conspiracies. I understand that conspiracies to a lot of people are improbable. But I've come to learn that in majority lately, government conspiracies are the process of the truth coming out. Maybe not entirely true, but a part of it. Like, there is no drone program. Now I can buy them at Best Buy. You know, Um, and they literally said that with a straight face. There is no drone program. And I get it. There's a little difference between what you buy at Best Buy versus what the government has but now drones do everything you know and i'm not saying drones are necessarily nefarious it's a tool weather modification is a tool and i know we spent a lot of time harping on it and i do believe there's a lot of great potential hang on it get it Harp. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I just talked to one of the top physicists and had him on my show, and we discussed harp. And the government used to deny it could modify the weather, but they, he explained very easily how it can be done because what it what harp does for people that don't know in Alaska and the beautiful natural world, they have uh, a giant um, system up there that. Shoots waves into the ionosphere, heating it up, causing a bubble, much like a blister on your skin. And when that bubble bubble happens, it pulls a lot of the atmosphere and it disrupts, um, you know, uh, different patterns of weather, amongst other things, and also can uh, create weather. It was demonstrated by Brooks Agnew on television that you can actually create or enhance storms, direct storms, and also potentially Uh, cause earthquakes they can't create earthquakes but if a uh, let's say a nation is close to having one uh, it could disrupt it because it's very similar to prospecting um, technology and what prospecting technology is is if you're looking for oil silver or gold or natural gas in the ground you send these waves into the ground which are similar to LRAD and everything else and they vibrate and it comes back ding it's oil Uh, boom it's natural gas well if you can cause that vibration at a heavy level it can cause an earthquake and actually disrupt uh, certain fault lines if they're about ready to go anyways so this this item has a lot of capability to do to to actually impact the weather and um, we should ask should we be doing this with something we don't really know how to control like at least in the prospect of um, you know, uh, cloud seeding. It's a very controlled area. I know North Dakota had, may, had a, did a two-week study, and they made it rain so heavy they had to cancel early, uh, which is interesting. You know, maybe that's just one example. They can make it snow. They can turn ice to rain, rain to ice. Um, they can make it snow more. They can make it. What snow about less. earthquakes? Uh, Both harp harp specifically can impact uh, so, earthquakes. Not, not 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 geoengineering in the form of uh, spraying things in the atmosphere.
1: Harp is real, but it doesn't have the ability to significantly alter the climate or the weather or cause disasters. It's a research project at the University of Alaska Fairbanks that studies the ionosphere, which is the highest layer of the Earth's atmosphere. And there is a comment by Stanford University Professor Umran Inan, who Says that the there's chat. absolutely nothing we can do to disturb the Earth's weather systems, even though the power that HARP radiates is very large. It's minuscule compared with the power of a lightning flash, and there are 50 to 100 lightning flashes every second. So, by comparison, HARP's intensity is very small. And that's the thing humans can try to study the weather, they can try to study the atmosphere, they can try to deploy certain tools for it. But the fact is, right now, natural weather systems are still a lot more powerful than we are and there could be inadvertent long-term consequences to human activity but like climate change itself anthropogenic climate change it takes literally centuries of human industrial activity to cause these kinds of effects. That is what we have been seeing. And these are gradual enough effects that they occur over the course of decades. They don't occur right away. No human project or facility has been able to cause a hurricane. Now, in terms of earthquakes, yes, some human activity has been able to cause earthquakes. They have been associated with not quite hydraulic fracturing itself, but the wastewater byproducts from hydraulic fracturing being injected back into the earth. And I think that is a terrible practice. Hydraulic fracturing could be done without that. But this is why in states like Oklahoma and Pennsylvania, which haven't been earthquake prone before, there had been a massive increase in earthquakes in the 2010s. So on a local level, it's possible for certain human activities to do damage. But on a longer-term scale, what we're seeing are gradual climate effects that could potentially be reversed with creative geoengineering approaches. So I come back to my point that it's more productive to think about what human ingenuity could do to actually ameliorate some clearly undesirable climate effects that we are experiencing right now than it is to posit that there's something nefarious going on behind the scenes that uh, layers upon layers of uh, government agencies and other shadowy actors are trying to cover up because that really doesn't get us to a set of solutions to the very real problems that our species is facing right now.
2: Well, first of all, I have to mention the HARP uh, conspiracy is not something I made up. It came from scientists, it came from Nick Begich, a former United States representative from Alaska, who spent a lot of time bringing awareness of the capabilities of this. And originally, the HARP website said on it, it was for weather modification, potentially could cause earthquakes, and even for mind control, whatever that means, communications, and that was directly from their own website. Obviously, since the conspiracies have grown, they modified their website, but I'm sure somebody could go back on the Wayback Machine and pull up the website, which has all that information Information. So I'm going to say that that's what they said, and uh, that's what Nick Begich, former United States representative who was very interested in this topic, warned about in Alaska. And so that's why I that's where I can, I got a lot of my information and in research and study with Harp. Not only that, top physicist Brooks Agnew, who's been brought in by the government to in, to, to to discuss Harp, uh, is one of the reasons. Also, I mentioned those things. So like. I'm not getting my stuff out of a pie out of the sky like, well, you know, conspiracies, it's because people don't want answers. I think transparency is the answer, and if the conspiracy is true and there's facts to it, we should investigate it. We could say it's not the answer, but unless we actually put in the work, do the investigation, and look, uh, that's the important thing. The term conspiracy is a thought-terminating cliché. It prevents the most intelligent person from recognizing their own cognitive dissonance or logical fallacies. So anytime that term is used, I always shun against it because it's kind of almost like a slur. So technically, I don't like to use the term conspiracy. A lot of times I like to use the term mystery because in reality, it's really a mystery or we're researching uh, an unknown factor. So a lot of the things we're talking about are based off of important people, and different opinions in science. So I'm not going to say entirely that Gennady is wrong because I do believe that there is limits to a lot of this weather modification, but I do believe that we are way ahead, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years in technology than what most of the public knows. And I do believe we do have the ability to implement and impact the weather much greater than we believe. I also believe that spraying aluminum oxide would be a very good attempt at reflecting the sunlight to uh, have in a climate change interventionalism, and it's very uh, a realistic um, thesis mm-hmm. considering that the United Nations has admitted to it, uh, as well as um, these patents that all align on with the EPA no longer testing for anything under two uh, nanoparticle micro or two, two micron particles. Uh, you know, amongst some other other things, at least bring into question some kind of pattern that makes you go, hmm. Now, do I think people are nefariously doing this? I mean, could weather modification be used for nefarious things that are maybe... Uh, on a minor scale impactful? Absolutely. There's a whole trends market and the whole futures market based on the weather. So if you can cause a slight drought in one area, what they're finding out with weather modification right now is if you adjust the weather in one area, it causes extreme opposite reaction someplace else on the planet. And so what's to say if you don't, let's say you were selling GMO crops, and all of a sudden there's a drought because you're spraying over an area over organic crops. You could increase your wealth. Something like that, I think, is more likely. Something on a smaller scale where somebody's playing with a market is a much more realistic idea, dealing with a future trends market or something of that nature than them, let's say, creating a hurricane or uh, you know a tornado. But I do believe that they have the ability to make uh, create, uh, existing storms worse, much worse, and uh, alleviate them if they so choose in many shapes and forms. And uh, you know, the whole harp technology is all based on vibrations and vibrating the ground if it so chooses. So, I do believe as well it has the potential. It, it's like what it's like a trillion watt, uh, trillion watts of uh power up there, something ridiculous like that. Um, you know, they were gonna demolish it, but they didn't. It was a uh, Original believed to be the Star Wars, originally believed to be the Star Wars program. Um, I'm it's an interesting topic, guys. Listen, I want to believe that if it's raining outside, I could hit a button and it could be sunny and we have that kind of weather (laughs) modification. It'd be great. It's cool that we can do things like make the weather better for a wedding. Or right now, like I sent you guys a link before this chat for different kind of sporting events, they're modifying the weather. Olympics, they're probably modified the weather. There's different impacts and ways they can do it and they are doing it. And I think that we have a lot more capability. Look at just chat GPT. I know that a lot of experts in transhumanism thought we were 10 or 20 years away from the uh, the closeness and uh intelligence that chat gpt offered chat gpt gets my description and my biography better than the new york times can or the new yorker you know uh it's wild it's wild mm. and no, so oh, i think that well, oh, you
1: know oh, chat sure. gpt keeps misidentifying when and where i was born and some other facts about <laughs> me like maybe it, you it don't know what school it thought yeah, i went to law school and that i was a uh a computer programmer, a software engineer. Yeah.
2: So
0: uh, yeah. it, it nope.
1: does get certain facts wrong.
0: but No, nope, no, I want to make sure we get all the facts right here. So let's go back to what we talked about when it comes to this uh, injection of the uh, aluminum. Now, Janati, you made the point earlier that maybe uh, even if it does go into the atmosphere, it may stay there and it uh, may not trickle down to such an extent that it would even affect whatever's going on with us. Uh, my question to you, Kristan, is... Would there be anything that you could put forward that would counter that, that would show like, yes, there are these amounts that do end up affecting
2: people, and this is why we well, know I, we know aluminum is not good for the body, and I think tux... Toxic syn- synchronicity is a real thing. So, like sometimes things aren't toxic by themselves, but if you add another compound, it gets, uh, it makes it toxic or, or toxic or even worse. Look at aluminum and mercury. You put those two things together, and you have like a super toxin. You know. Uh, so I think. You know aluminum barium and stratium, if those things are being reported as the to, as the scientists who i t- have been talking to that are taking samples and have been taking samples for years and have been collecting all this data across the united states and the world um i, I think that there's major concern there and i'm curious too if the epa will ever test for particles or, par- or particulates particulate matter below two microns to get it um, but it's something. But your people I think are a, right. You're
0: the scientists that you know are taking those samples.
2: Yes, correct. And they can actually, you can actually look up the results of them. They're all public and available. And you can, and even government, uh, the government agencies in Hawaii and California, and they've all, and scientists across the United States agree that there's an increase in aluminum oxide and aluminum in the soil. Uh, just that nobody really knows how it's getting there. Is it natural, naturally uh, happening? Or are they um, contracting out uh, companies to spray aerosols in the sky to battle climate change? Because people really believe the world's gonna end in nine years. I have no idea. People are corrupt, they'll do a lot for money. And I can tell you, um, I've met a person, his whole job was to spray these aerosols in the sky while I was bartending. I bartended by uh, an airport, and this is before I even got into the whole conspiracy thing. And he said he sprayed things uh to in the sky to modify the weather and he was just here uh briefly now he could have been lying Uh, that's that's one of the first times i heard it and i was like oh okay that's interesting but who knows it's a bar he could have been drinking could have been trash are there other people who stepped forward and said
0: this because you would expect with something like that so many pilots there's got to be somebody
2: there who wants to be a hero Right? I mean, we can't we can't even get Jeffrey Epstein's pilot to admit to anything <laughs> happening. I'm just saying. Uh, but, you know, uh, there are people, and there are pilots, there are videos and there is information out there that are genuine. You can look into the problem is, I think that a lot of us have normalcy bias. And not only that, a lot of us look for, uh, you know, bias confirmation. So it's really hard. You like even with me, I'm not trying to say I fullheartedly believe all this. This is the data that's been provided. And, I, and I'm saying it's worth an investigation. It definitely is. Yes. Well, what so, about that?
0: Oh, go go on. Yes, I, I would
1: like to make a few points uh, so that they're not forgotten. So on the matter of harp, in 2016, after the University of Alaska Fairbanks acquired the harp facility, they actually held an open house there and invited people. Yeah, every year to they do annually. visit the facility to show that there's no mind control happening there to actually get people to tour the facility and see what is over there. And I think the conspiracy is, well, the the ideas that there was anything malicious happening at Harp were developed during a time period when the facility was a bit more secretive than that. Perhaps they thought, oh, this is a research facility. There's no need for the public to visit it. But when, all of these claims, I would say, largely unsubstantiated claims began to be made about it. They realized, oh, we need to engage with the public more actively and actually show them what we're doing here. And I think that's a salutary development. I think scientists should engage in a great deal of public communication about their work. And I think that kind of dialogue can prevent misunderstandings. From arising. So there may have been a PR problem with heart. They may have been uh, unduly, uh, let's say isolationist uh, about their activities. And that led to suspicion because people might have been wondering, well, what do they have to hide? But certainly under university ownership, that is no longer the case. And I don't believe this
2: who owned it before the university serious threat who had it before the university, the, the military did, specifically the Air Force. So like, uh, it's interesting, and Gennady, I will say people have gone there and interviewed the locals, and they, they there's all sorts of rumors about the place, and I don't deny it, and I think it's because of those rumors that they opened it up to the public, and they only open it up one day a year. You can only come on that one day and no other day. And it's not like you can go up there and hang out all the time. But for the, the locals, claim that people have died up there. They have been fried. And first of all, um, I'm gonna rebuttal real quick on the whole mind control thing. The same technology is used to beam, do voice to skull technology it's uh, almost identical technology so it completely has the capability of disrupting sleep patterns uh, making it so people don't sleep uh, changing hormone levels amongst many other things so like and that's that's science. kind of like a literally, syndrome literally you could it say what was that
0: like a Havana Central, It's very similar
2: voice of God technology. It's very, it has the capability of doing the same thing and, and even knocking out communications in the sky. So if you don't know about the voice of God technology, it works on very similar, you know, uh long range acoustic technology. And basically uh, you could do the very same thing with harp. I'm not saying that's what they're using it for. They're gang stalking people. I'm just saying you're not, you're, you're making it are they're, they're not using it for mind control. That might be, but I could tell you that was part of their research. Hmm. I have another that quick an question. Statement.
0: Quick question about the harp. Uh, a tour if you will when you go there are you able to actually look into the gutty works are you able to see <laughs> there's free exactly coffee how and donuts this thing
2: works here? i've actually asked there's free coffee and donuts well that's nice but do they
0: actually <laughs> let you do they let you uh, mess around just like look into the engine or whatever like see exactly how it works or is that limited because that would be like a truly transparent
2: tour if they actually allow you to see what's inside I, I, I have no idea. I know that some locals have gone up there and um, there's been other people and it was really proven to be a real spot uh, because it was on TV in 2009 on a show by Jesse Ventura, the the governor. And of course, uh, that show was very interesting. And that's where he went around interviewing experts and scientists that work there and whistleblowers that warned about a lot of the things I talked about. That uh, that show is also out there. I think it's called uh, Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura, where he goes to Alaska Harp and actually filmed That's the first guy to film it, though. Like you guys laugh, but he actually went there and filmed it and it was on TV. Now his program's off the air and it was number one on true TV. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things. The government doesn't like people filming their stuff, and I don't blame them. It's like Mount Weather or, you know, all these other facilities that are secret under Cheyenne Mountain and everything else. Like, listen, there's a lot that's out there. There's a lot in technology, and the capabilities of Harp are pretty interesting, and they have a wide wide array of um, versatility in what it can do. Mm. But primarily, it's there to study the ionosphere. Um, But I do believe that, uh, the government at heart always always has military. Um expectations so it would be hard for me to not believe that they haven't tested to see if it could cause vibrations Mm. in the ground that could be used to disrupt people's thought pattern and make it so soldiers can't sleep by beaming and flexing the beams off the ionosphere and stuff like that because that's essentially what the whistleblowers that have come forward and said and if you guys want details on this like I said I've been dropping links in the chat here um, and I can get more on this I think this is a great conversation and I think people and I I love that Gennady has scientists in the in the chat because I want people that are genuine to actually research and if they want data and info and to talk to people and see and results and studies and everything else i'd be happy to provide that if people are looking to do genuine honest studies i'm there for it like that's why i'm here and um you know uh I'm a person that's an open book. I love Gennady. I think he's a great person, and I agree with him on many things, and including the ability that many good things could come out of geoengineering. But I have very little trust that our government has their best intentions. I think they have multinational corporatists' best interests, for intentions and getting reelected as best, you know, best intentions. They'll sound good for a couple of months, but it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. They're two sides of the same coin bought out by the same lobbyists, which are all multinational corporatists. That's why we don't think of our education locally. That's why nothing gets done for, as far as local agenda. Everything is handed down from a council in foreign relations or something else that gets lobbied locally and bought off at your assembly. Like that's the issue is the fact that these people don't know what they're doing. They get paid money to lobby and pass bills. And uh, I think that when it comes to United Nations, there's a lot our government signs on to that is unconstitutional. And we're looking at things, everything from Rex 84 to UN mm-hmm. Agenda 21, which didn't exist, was a conspiracy. And now, you know, mm-hmm. Agenda 2030 is all out there the open. And they're talking about it, the World Economic Forum. Oh, and be- Before why, I forget, you know, I wanted so- to
0: ask you about the 15-minute cities thing. I know that's kind of further away from our conversation. But uh, before that, I wanted to uh, get back to the um the um uh what's that the aluminum here so from the whistleblower that you spoke to the uh, female whistleblower can you tell us again like what exactly is the proof that she can
2: uh, give out to say like yes this stuff is happening well i guess you'd have to ask her for all the exact details of what she could provide but her claims in her uh, interviews as well as in the conversations is that uh she worked as a military industrial hygienist she handled toxic chemicals at the military compound that she was at and they would be spraying daily and she would test the ground samples and they would test positive for aluminum barium and stratum and those were matching ingredients to what was being loaded so uh i would recommend there's whole videos that she's given as far as a whistleblower Uh, she's very well known especially in the libertarian movement um, she was one of the founders of, of Coplock, which is, you know, uh, for equity and equality of, you know, minorities, as well as, uh, you know, police state activity by our law enforcement and surveillance state. Like she's a, like as far as a person I've met for integrity, she does not seem like a person that would fabricate things. I, I believe at the very least she truly believes what she's telling me. So. Are there more than her, though, as far as people who say the
0: exact same thing, who describe the exact same process or no? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Dane Wigington is a big one. Um, he actually has a website called Geoengineering Watch. You could probably find over two or 300 patents on there. He actually has a whole lab where people are running, citizens are running lab tests, but also includes government tests of local places that they have them they have the papers right on there you can pull them and that are showing this also you can look throughout the united states there is a rise in aluminum studies in the ground i'd have to pull up those i've read them some of them have been this is a conversation debate that's been happening for about 15 years for me so a lot of this is out of memory and some of it i don't know how How easy it will be to find because everything's buried now, uh, especially when it comes to things like this. And do I believe it's a covert uh, operation? I do. I believe that in Mm -hmm. 10 or 15 years, they'll come out, oh, this is what we're going to do anyways, because this is exactly what they propose. There's literally top uh, scientists in this field that were, like Gennady mentioned, that were doing lectures on this very specific type of uh, geoengineering. Um, the Wellsbach uh, geoengineering and they suggested that the best way would to have would be to have an injector uh, near the engine that would allow it to disperse with uh, um, with the jet with the jet fuel. Um, now contrails I believe that uh, I know Gennady mentioned something about contrails. I've talked to a bunch I get a lot of different opinions on this. I talked to several pilots and you know they're like oh it's contrails. But uh, I know that there is a time when most planes, except for under extreme weather circumstances, weren't causing contrails because the engines of their type of quality were not emitting them. Um, but that might have all changed. I don't know. Like, listen, I'm not a pilot. I'm not a technician. Uh, I'm a researcher, meaning I search again. Uh, and um, I'm not the authority on anything. That's why I say you guys got to do your own research. But I do believe I have a brain and I know how to use it. And, and you have uh, a heart. And I have a heart. Yes. Just well, like Gennady does.
1: Thank you. Uh, and I think you should go to Harp during one of their open houses and actually mm-hmm. see if you can film. We could do a footage. live
0: stream. Yeah, Jinnati, no, that'd cool. yeah, Hidden in
2: plain view. We, we, we should go. We should, do a, we should do a break,
0: site, do a break <laughs> the rules live stream at the Harp HQ and just live stream the whole thing. Make sure that they allow us to see the gutty works of uh, all of this technology so we can make sure like... Can this read people's minds or no? And if we suspect it can, uh, let's see if we can show that it can. And by the way, if you guys want us to raise money to go to HARP, BreakTheRules.tv has a Patreon patreon.com slash break the rules become a patron today and you're going to get incredibly beautiful magnets created by my father alexander polyakov i'm going to show them on the uh, stream janati i don't know if you saw these magnets but they are very very beautiful my dad is a real artist and uh those could be yours if you become a 20 dollar uh patron so be sure to check that out i'm going to put it on the screen just in a second here we go it's on my cell phone so you could see you could see the quality of these magazines. You know, plane
2: plane tickets to Alaska aren't as expensive if you buy them at the right time, and I'd be happy to go. I invited Gennady to go to Roboland with me. (laughs) Like, I I enjoy it. Like, listen, uh, I want to say one thing. In my conversation with my fellow transhumanists, uh, even though a lot of them might not uh, agree with me being a transhumanist, just because I challenge ethics quite often, but I believe it's necessary. I really do. Uh, I believe that uh, toxicity and nanoparticulates being rained down on us is a real concern, especially if they're not testing for them. Um, and I don't really know the complete uh, side effects, but I know that aluminum's not good, and I know that barium's not good, and together they might not—they might be worse. If that is the case, silver iodide. I know sulfur is probably not good for you. All these things, and then. Uh, we're trying to modify the weather, and then we get erratic weather, and they want to blame it on climate change. And my question is, is how much is man-made affect climate change versus uh, mm. the mother nature, and are we doing more harm than good, or is there a positive results? I guess all that will be told in the future if the world ends in nine years, like Greta says it will, because she said 15 years, six, six years ago. Mm. So I'm waiting for it. I, I, I,
1: I doubt that it will. By uh, I'm the way. pretty
2: sure she's right. And we need we need to start spraying more aluminum oxide in the sky because the reptilians are going to be here shortly. Now, (laughs) now for modify
0: the weather for them. Now, for more of a political part of this conversation, let's say for example, all three of us assume that yes, these things are happening, and that this is something that's been planned. Okay, let's just like take all of our skepticism aside for a second and say this is going on, and then let's say it. Ends up being revealed that it's going on. So we can 100% confirm it. And we can 100% confirm that these illnesses and various problems that people have been having because of these chemicals, that is also the case. So, okay, skepticism out, we've confirmed it. Now, that being the case, if we're talking about a social contract as far as the people who are citizens of a country and the people who are supposed to look out for their best interests, and that social contract gets disrupted. If you, for example, end up uh, causing, let's say, I want to be polite to the algorithm here, end up causing a certain amount of distress towards a bear, uh, not a gay guy who's hairy like Kristan. Well, not, not gay, you know what I'm talking about. But like, you, you look like a bear, you know, like you'd be, you'd be, uh, you're muted right now. Hold on, you gotta unmute yourself, I have no idea what you're saying. You muted I'm your... Just messing with you. I wasn't ah. saying anything. I said ah, that damn.
2: you know I always thought you guys were cute, so ah, yeah, you that's can nice. call me whatever you want there. Yes.
0: Yeah, so anyway, what I'm saying about the bear is that in New Jersey, the bears are a really big problem because you can't actually, you know, go after, you know, bang bang, you can't actually go after the bear. And as a result, the bears end up causing a lot of distress. They end up, you know, going through people's trash, going into the swimming pool. So that's just like one example of Certain animals knowing that they can get away with things because there's no threat to them. There's no chance of any retribution. When it comes to any government that ends up becoming tyrannical, that ends up becoming hostile towards its own people, like Putin's Russia, for example. Again, I love using Russia as an example, but I think it's a good one because in that example, if you criticize the government, you get arrested, you you go into jail. And a lot of Russian people, unfortunately, are very passive. If the Russian people were to make a revolution in there, you know, go in there and get into the Kremlin and just, like, disrupt everything and, uh, you know, pull off a... Uh, I was about to say pull off a Gennady, but pull off a Gaddafi uh, on Putin, then um, that would be... I mean, I would be for that. But the reason why I'm saying that is when it comes to the government that we have here, or governments in Europe and in the West... If they do end up being as tyrannical or get as tyrannical as to cause all these problems, or even if it's not the government, if it's like some hidden you know, hand somewhere in there, then what do they have to fear from the people? Nothing. Because the people don't do anything against them, so why wouldn't they keep doing it? So the question to everybody here is, what can be done to make the bears afraid? What oh, can I, be done? You know what I, I mean? Can
1: answer that question, if let's say all of these weather modification capabilities were real, and they were being deployed in the way that is being alleged, my first question would be, why the astonishing level of incompetence at having these technologies at one's disposal, and really failing to materially affect everyday life or prevent any of the harms that we are observing with climate and extreme weather phenomena today. That is to say, if this kind of advanced weather modification, geoengineering technology were available now and were being routinely used, why is climate change continuing? Why do we still have droughts? Why do we still have extreme winter weather phenomena? And assuming again, under this hypothetical scenario that this is all real, this would betray the extreme incompetence of any government that has access to these technologies and hasn't visibly fixed the problems that we all have to deal with with extreme weather because it could have fixed those problems and been incredibly popular. Imagine, A political leader who says I fix the weather I can tame the elements he could thereby say I am the most powerful man in human history because Alexander of Macedon couldn't tame the elements Julius Caesar couldn't tame the elements they were claiming to be gods and yet they couldn't do this Alexander died because of malaria at the age of 33 and he thought of himself as a god Julius Caesar was assassinated by members of his own Senate and he thought he was a god. A politician who could truly openly control the weather with these kinds of technologies would be a lot more powerful than Alexander or Caesar. Why wouldn't that politician own up to it and say, look, yes, we are doing this. This is for the benefit of the citizens of the country. We are going even, to give even you, good if a few of you are gonna
0: Even if a few of you are going to get ill or die or something like that, because that's the other side of the coin here. If this is something that is real, and certain people uh, on a need-to-know basis know that it's going to create problems down the line for people, but for the sake of climate change, is going to be worth it, that's very different from the scenario that you just described, Giannati. And so if we are facing that, my whole thing is, it doesn't really matter, I don't really care, if it's a matter of people who are in charge of this stuff again if this were the case if they were doing it out of you know wanting to make a better world or if they're very incompetent with how they do it none of that matters what matters is to make sure that people who are in positions of power don't do things behind the back of their citizens that end up resulting in their citizens suffering incredibly for it you know not even letting them put it up to a vote and say, like, hey, guys, there's this thing we want to do. What do you think of this? And I know democracy has its own problems, but at the very least, you know, not even that. So when it comes to people who are in positions of power doing that, the question is just if we think logically here, what is the kind of system that we should employ to make sure that anybody in power will never even think of doing that because they know what's going to happen if they do?
1: Well, the question is, What is it that we would want to prevent? Is it the secret deployment of something without accountability for adverse effects on the population? And I would say that has happened before on smaller scales. Of course, the Ohio train derailment is an example where I think the federal government showed a lack of accountability until it was pressured into taking more action, but there have been other environmental disasters. I remember, for instance, the Deepwater Horizon uh, spill, which really damaged the quality of life for many people uh, living near the Gulf of Mexico, and there was a similar lack of accountability there. So I think we can have this discussion. We can have it with more mundane examples. So. What does it take to. I, I
0: could give you a quick example right now. The Tuskegee um, uh, Institute uh, in 1932. Christan, do you know what I'm
2: talking about there? Well, you're talking about syphilis, right? And yes. injecting people purposely, uh, specifically minorities uh, and uh, gays with uh, syphilis to. Yeah. Uh, essentially... So if, if,
0: if we were to go back in time what could have been done to make sure that any government official who would even think of entertaining the thought of doing something like that would get a cold shiver down their spine when they think of what would happen if they would even take the first step to doing that. Like, If we can guarantee like in society that we would have those things in place, then I think we'd have a far better society because people who would actually, as you could see by that uh, example, do nefarious things like that would never even start to do them.
1: Yes, and I think it's important to set forth clear protections for individual rights. This is where we need a framework like the Transhumanist Bill of Rights version 3.0. I encourage everyone to look it up because in my view, that is the broadest formulation of rights that any organization has undertaken. We seek to essentially define not just what a human being is, but what a sentient entity that could potentially in the future be worthy of rights would be. And within that framework, we need to treat each such sentient entity as an end in itself, not as a means only. This is Immanuel Kant's formulation, treat every person as an end in himself and that kind of approach would prevent using human beings as instruments for some perceived greater goal without their consent so you always have to get consent you always have to have accountability for the impacts like if an approach did damage somebody's health there needs to be compensation that is paid and ideally there need to be measures taken to prevent that there needs to be transparency about what is being done and why and mm-hmm. for what purpose and how it's being well, done. Speaking
0: of transparency, Daniel Dwent has a comment about this. He says they actually had syphilis already
2: uh, when it comes to the uh, that experiment, the Tuskegee experiment. Kristana, can you confirm that? Um, from my understanding, that's not my understanding of it, but I could be wrong. But, uh, my understanding was, is that they were injected with the vaccine, not told that they've given, that they were given syphilis and that was the result.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Let's see if I could find any more
2: information about that in the chat. But anyway, there, there's a lot of misinformation, did, yeah. especially when it comes to vaccine side effects. Oh, uh, we because, gotta be
0: careful. We're on YouTube. Oh, gotta, okay. They yeah, did, because, they did have syphilis, they did have syphilis
1: already, uh, but. The problem with those experiments in the 1930s was the researchers were trying to see what would happen if the syphilis were left untreated. So these black... that's pretty evil. Yes. These black test subjects could have been treated, and they weren't because the scientists wanted to observe what would happen. So it's not that they were injected with something intentionally. It is that their lives could have been saved, but were not. So this is actually uh, part of a lot of experimental protocols where if one group is the control group and it's given a placebo and another group is given the active ingredient, but the active ingredient shows in the middle of the trial to have such immense health benefits that it's literally saving lives, then the placebo group is switched over to the active ingredient because otherwise they might die of some terminal disease. So that is a humane way to modify a controlled experiment. And we know why we need placebos and controlled experiments usually, but one needs to use a humanistic kind of calculus in order to understand when there can be exceptions to those protocols. Definitely. Prioritize the saving of lives above strictly adhering to the prior experimental protocol. And we always need to think about that when developing policy, mm. when considering the implications of technologies. Transhumanists don't say disregard the consequences and move ahead. Transhumanists advocate a framework called the proactionary principle, which states that we need to weigh not just the benefits and the risks of a particular innovation. We also need to weigh the benefits and the risks of not pursuing that innovation. So uh, it's a more nuanced multidimensional kind of consideration. And then we need to understand, well, if the status quo continues, how many people are going to be harmed? What will the harms be? what can we do with this intervention that could potentially alleviate the harms? And then, of course, what could the side effects of that intervention be? We need to consider all of that and remember that not acting is also a choice and it could be a choice with damaging consequences. Mm. So that's the kind of discussion we should be having. And I agree with regard to any technological advance, those conversations would be beneficial. They should be held in public view as we are doing right now and people should be invited to participate
0: there is one more thing before we uh, go, and we have a couple of minutes left. of course, Kristan, you got to go soon, uh, but uh, I want to get to Hotep Sophia over here. Sophia Spiritualite, uh, as you are uh, called uh, nowadays. Uh, you are a great friend of the show, and you're in the chat here, so thank you so much for coming in. I miss you dearly, would love to have you back soon. And uh, Sophia says that may have been one group, but others, they outright gave it to them. Uh, for more test subjects. So anyway, I want to look a little bit deeper at this, the, about the Tuskegee uh, syphilis study. But uh, it still gets to the point where all the things you're talking about, Jannati, are true and understandable, but you're talking about what ought to happen. What I'm talking about is how do we prevent what we don't want to happen from happening. In other words, like to keep it very simple. Let's say there's somebody who wants to like let there let's say there's some wizard, okay? Some magical wizard who wants to uh, annihilate an entire uh group of people somewhere just like throw a fireball at them or whatever. And everybody is kind of used to this wizard throwing the fireball, but they don't do anything. They're lazy, they're too distracted. So my question is what what do you need to do to get people to see, like, oh, this wizard is annihilating all these people all the time. Let's actually do something about it to make sure that the wizard does not annihilate people anymore. Like, I'm keeping it very simple and kind of, you know what I mean. Yes, I'd recommend reading
1: Nick Bostrom's Fable of the Dragon Tyrant, because this is exactly the premise of the story that uh, Nick Bostrom presents there, and... The dragon tyrant, of course, is death. So there we, ha- we have uh, a phenomenon that has that kind of deleterious effect on our lives. And I would say a lesser dragon tyrant, but certainly one that is quite active these days is COVID. What do we do in the face of that kind of oppression? That's a very good question. And uh, highly recommended reading, yeah. The Fable of the Dragon Tyrant for an example
0: of what could be done. Well, and I don't want to go go too much on that particular subject for the, you know, YouTube algorithm reasons, but the one thing that I would say in relation to that thing that you just mentioned right now, Janati, when it comes to there being a much more unanimous agreement now of the origins of this particular thing, and then if we're talking about who approved that thing from being done in the first place in that particular place... What do we do to make sure that people don't get the bright idea to do some, something like that again? Because if, again, if they see, okay, some people are speaking out, maybe some people are protesting. But, you know, I can go on with, you know, living the way I usually live. No harm, no, no foul. Sure, I'll get some annoying people like Kriston T. Harris who's going to be videotaping me coming to my, uh, you know, uh, Bilderberg meeting or whatever. But, you know, that, you know, we have security guards for that. That's Which I've fine. been to. Exactly. So, I mean, Kristan, you see what I'm getting at here. The no, absolutely.
2: So, like, to answer your question, um, the biggest issue is we can't hold politicians accountable and we can't cut off lobbyism. And I, I think that uh, it would be naive to throw this out completely, our conversation out completely and say everything's a conspiracy. Just remember, our government put mercury and alcohol to track where the mob was bootlegging and killing thousands of people. It planned in 1962 to blow up our own buildings and our own military vehicles and our own attack, our own harbors to justify going to war in Cuba under Operation Northwoods. And it was signed off by both joint CGs of staff. They're okay with killing the American people. Like, I, like listen... These people are out here, they're here for money and they're here for power, a lot of them. There's, and I'm not saying everybody in government is evil. I'm not saying that either, but to implement change, we need to vote locally and uh, implement the change locally. We need to go to our our school board meetings. We need to get involved in the curriculum. We need to get involved with our children's education. We gotta get involved with the community, be involved with the diversity and education. Like, listen, there's a lot that goes on, but it all starts off with education and lobbyism is in control of education multinational corporatists run our education uh you know basically our books it's all Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation you know it's uh it's all it's all there we got to stop it and that's the biggest way to implement change and I think that when it comes to things like government's doing tyrannical things and using ke- toxic chemicals to modify the weather we can look at things like operation popeye which was used to make them extend the monsoon season that was already in vietnam and they've there's plenty of other ones that they have used for weather modification i think there's a real uh, question on what the impact of um particulate matter of nanoparticles is on the human body especially if they are toxic ones and not only that uh, you know, the, the synchronicity behind them. So I think it's a valuable question. And I think just because something is labeled a conspiracy doesn't mean that it isn't factual or doesn't have fact because we are seeing daily everything from misinformation about Ukraine and Miss Ukraine fighting at the front lines for Ukraine and Snake Island and Zelensky fighting at the front lines. Misinformation happens all the time by the mainstream media for propaganda. The Twitter files that were just released claim that Twitter would uh, ban factual information because it would cause hesitancy and even Though that there are viral videos showing it, poor side effects of things, uh, that uh, they felt since it was malinformation because it would prevent other people from buying Big Pharma's product. Which, if you buy something and it doesn't work and it doesn't prevent, you ask for your money back you don't go back in go back in and buy another one and another one so but people like, do you know like people, people are, do yeah people do and so, that's
0: that's the other problem here because right. you were mentioning Ukraine with Putin I know that we're
2: going to be uh, disagreeing on uh, what
0: should be done there but it's actually I think we
2: should stay out I think that we put a, a like literally we're putting a big mark for nuclear war in America I sympathize with the Ukrainians I got family over there it's a civil war part of the Donbass region wants to be part of Russia they petition to be part of Russia but but uh, they said no, do it the right way, and then the United States created a honeypot by removing nukes in the 90s and disarming guns, and during the Obama era. And Russia said, "Well, why the hell not go in there? Biden's president of America." No, so I'm just wh- kidding. So, so what, ha- what happens <laughs> if?
0: Okay, what happens when Russia goes in there? then Russia's well, just going se- to take, settle uh, down like, and listen, then be five, uh, that's they'll the be fine. They'll be cool game.
2: What we got to deal with is what we know is happening. That was the cause is if the United States was never involved in the first place, Ukraine would be off much No, no, better. I'm
0: not saying a what-if game of the past. I'm saying a what-if game of the future because let's well, say, for example, if, the United, well, we States, the, if <laughs> the United States did not arm uh, Ukraine right now and let's say, for example, the Ukrainian government would lose, Russia would come in there, two things would possibly happen. Number one, Russia would stay put. They would be like, North Korea they just keep to themselves or number two they don't and well, if, if they, they don't nukes, that they, means that if, they're if gonna if going to be going into <laughs> Poland they're going to be going to Lithuania they're going to be going to Latvia now you can be a betting man and you could say well you know what I bet that their forces are not going to be strong enough to do that but that is a very 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 serious bet because it's going to take a uh, maybe some time for Russia to recuperate and then guess what then they're going to be going to the Baltics then they're going to be going into Poland and you may think oh maybe because they're a part of NATO then you know then we're going to get the big." guns and then we're gonna fight them uh but you know what world war ii started the way that it did because people were too fucking scared after world war one they did not want to go into any conflict and i don't think just the idea that we have a piece of paper that says nato is going to help out the uh, rest of the nato countries if one of them gets invaded that's not necessarily the fact it could be it could not be Uh, my point is like yeah,
1: Putin's lack of military success in Ukraine shows that he is incapable of invading other countries. He just doesn't have the strength right now. Well, and th- the thank war in God, Ukraine but also how much of that, that. is
0: uh, how much of that is American weaponry as well? Well,
1: again, American weaponry came in later, sure. largely, but
0: but it definitely if
1: helped. Putin's initial offensive to capture Ukraine within three days had been successful, then there wouldn't be time for American weaponry and supplies to have really uh turned the war into a stalemate now on the other hand if putin's initial plan to capture ukraine within three days had been successful and i know this goes contrary to a lot of the sympathies uh, including your own Lev, about what should happen geopolitically but think about this hundreds of thousands of ukrainians would not have been killed and There would have been a much lower risk of nuclear war right now. So this current situation is still alarming to me, not because Putin was right to invade Ukraine, but because the continuing escalation poses the risk of nuclear annihilation for the rest of the civilized world. I'm sure I'm
2: sure a lot of check. Oh, Chris, you got to go, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I, I can hang out for a few more minutes. I just wanted to get a, a couple sentences in sure. here. Cause you, you're just like me, everyone here likes to talk. So, um, you know, uh, When it comes to the whole situation, I think that the United States set up a honeypot and it was intentional. I I agree with Franklin D. Roosevelt, who said something along the lines of politics nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. So I think that it was a honeypot. They bit it. Taiwan was a honeypot at one point. China didn't bite. And I think that we purposely uh, are using this at some level because we are prevented peace w- uh, on multiple occasions between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, NATO has been a problem. and again, this shows you uh, why I don't like police. We shouldn't be the policemen of the world. that's not our job. we're not the world's cops. And uh, you know for all those people out there to talk about deep throwing the boot, well, the United States, billions and billions of dollars. I hope I can write Zelensky off on my uh, tax form as a dependent. No, I can't even do that. Like, literally, we're paying all this money over there. We're trillions of dollars of debt. The United States financial system is on the verge of just complete collapse, but we're worried about Russia and going well, after Venmo or not Russia and Ukraine and going after Venmo and Cash App users for well, their Well, I'm sure
0: people were very concerned back during the Great Fucking Depression. I mean, we're talking about a... It'll be worse uh, than that uh, what's coming. Well, it hasn't come yet, but the point is is that it's actually interesting to see the similarities here, because back then, people were tired of war, you know, World War One and all that. There was a Great Depression all around the world, and at that time, that's why a lot of the European countries kind of allowed Germany to uh, build up its armaments because they didn't really feel like engaging before the situation grew out of control. So regarding Ukraine, you could say a similar thing about Czechoslovakia. You know, so many Czechoslovakian lives were saved because there was not like a greater battle that went on at that point which is why when i'm talking about this i am not a fan of the military industrial complex i am not a war hawk i want nothing to do with any kind of intervention in the middle east or any of that bullshit. i am literally just talking about what is the best out of the horrible horrible choices that we have now and when you janadi for example talk about how the lives would have been saved you have a very strong surefire assumption there that russia is going to keep exactly what it has and it's not going to go further even though Putin's popularity has been linked to that expansion and when Russia's not expanding when Russia's not acquiring territory all of a sudden the people start getting rowdy and all of a sudden Putin ends up being in trouble that's also one of the reasons why Putin does keep going and why he's always talked about expanding not just beyond the borders of the USSR but beyond the borders of what is considered to be the uh, Russian Empire we're talking East Germany as well that was mentioned by him so again kristan and gennady i want to make sure we don't take agency away from putin and only well, russia has only taken over
2: 17 percent of ukraine it's almost one-fifth of it so to say that they've got nothing and have accomplished nothing is unfair as well
1: so. well sure. they've accomplished what they did at great cost they've essentially used waves after waves of their people as cannon fodder but what i will say is this there's a crucial difference between Our time and the lead up to World War Two, and that is during the lead up to World War Two, nobody had nuclear weapons because they weren't invented yet. And the differences in the stakes. So any sort of world war prior to the nuclear age was actually safer than a global conflict would be today, just because even if millions or tens of millions of people would die, human civilization would continue. And with nuclear weapons, with the united states dropping atomic bombs on hiroshima and nagasaki the world got a very rude awakening and people realized oh this is the terrifying destructive potential of these weapons that can wipe entire cities off the map we must never allow them to be used again in practice and the problem here is not even that there's necessarily an active wish to use these weapons on either side, because I don't think Putin is suicidal. For all of his flaws, I think he wants to hang on to his power.
0: He's a but... transhumanist, by the way. Jannati, he wants to be immortal, and he pays a lot of money to these quacks to uh, try and make him immortal. He's very There are some rumors die.
1: about that, but I haven't been able to substantiate I enough. can
2: uh, I can send you some stuff. Hey, please, so, please A do. small correction here, guys, real quick. I know somebody mentioned that over 100,000 people have died, but according to statistics, it's about 14,500 military and civilians have died so mm. far in the Donbass region. Well that's uh,
1: that may be uh official statistics but both sides like to undercount their own casualties. And Russia sure. claims
2: only 5 to 5 to 6,000 of those deaths are their own people. Now yeah,
1: that, that that is absurdly low. We estimate the, about 200,000 uh, deaths in total from this conflict.
0: Ooh, mm. Now but Gennady to the nuclear question wrong. that you were talking about. This is kind of like the ultimate question of our existence right now because If we allow not just Russia, but any power to say, we're going to nuke you if you don't allow us to acquire territory, then that's it. Once you've made that bed, you're going to have to lie in it because that's going to set a precedent for every single would-be hostile nation in the entire fucking world.
1: So the situation is a bit more complex than Russia saying we're going to nuke you if you don't let us take Ukrainian territory. Russian nuclear doctrine actually does not really allow for a first strike or an aggressive nuclear strike. Uh, Essentially, Russian nuclear doctrine says, if there is perceived to be an existential threat to Russia itself, then Russia may launch nuclear weapons in retaliation. What does that mean in practice? Well, that's difficult to say because I can't look into the minds of Putin and Shoigu and Patrushev and all of the other uh, lead, officials in russia however i don't believe that this would start by putin saying oh i'm angry that the west is sending military support to ukraine and therefore i'm going to nuke western countries i don't even think it would uh rise to the scenario of putin using tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield in Ukraine because it wouldn't accomplish very much. If you think about how spread out the front lines are, so you use a tactical nuclear weapon, it takes out maybe five square miles of Ukrainian positions. That doesn't really give the Russian military any advantage. And besides, if they try to uh, go into that area immediately afterward as part of an advance, they're going to be irradiated. So there's no benefit to doing that. I think what uh, Putin might do, one of two things, either he might launch a tactical nuclear weapon at a largely unpopulated area to say, look, I mean business, I'm serious back off. And then the West would escalate with uh, a much larger nuclear strike or a conventional strike, which then Putin would interpret as an attack. On Russia, and then he would launch strategic nuclear weapon. Well, that's not good so. For the problem, either.
2: just not the Nord Stream pipeline, guys. Right? Yeah, it wasn't an <laughs> attack on Russia. So that
1: that could well have been sabotage by uh, the United States or NATO. Well, they admitted
2: and, pretty much the, the top journalist in the one of the top journalists in the United States came out and said that he verified that it was the United States behind it. Right. The only but, question about that story is the particular
0: whistleblower that uh, he uh, spoke to. True. That's the only thing that you know. It's we always interesting in talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Right.
1: But the problem with this whole nuclear brinksmanship is not that the first action is going to lead to all-out nuclear war and the annihilation of civilization. It's that the first action sets in motion a dynamic of escalation, which is reinforced by the foolish pride of the powers involved. So each time some action happens... On the other side, there will be this mindset of we can't possibly back down. We can't possibly let these bullies or tyrants or invaders or uh, corrupt foreign influencers win. We have to show resolve. We have to show strength. And therefore, each time they up the ante a bit until they get to the point where a strategic nuclear exchange is imminent. Or there could be a misunderstanding. So I would say the most dangerous moment in human history was in early November of 2022 when by accident some missiles that were actually fired by Ukraine uh, hit across the Polish border and killed two people there. And I saw the commentary on Twitter in the United States. There were many people calling for all out nuclear war with Russia because two people were killed in Poland and there was this presumption that russia fired the missiles and i don't know what nato would have done had russia actually fired the missiles but fortunately the biden administration had a bit of sanity remaining and they actually honestly investigated and they said let's hold off on passing judgment until we get the facts and lo and behold the facts turned out to be that ukraine by accident launched those missiles clearly they didn't intend to kill the polish civilians either but imagine how different the response would have been had the missiles been launched by the russian side but also accidentally because russia does not want to drag nato into the war so intentionally attacking poland to what send two missiles over the border uh, and kill some civilians Uh, that would have been incredibly unwise. And I don't think uh, Putin for all of the strategic incompetence of this campaign would have done that. But imagine what the response would have been if Russia had accidentally launched the missiles and the Russian government stated, sorry, this was an accident. Uh, We didn't mean to hit Poland. We wanted to hit Lviv in Ukraine. I don't think there would have been any mercy. And that's what worries me that an incident like this, which is possible, It is possible for Russia to accidentally launch some missiles over the border in Poland because they have issues controlling where their missiles go. So could that lead to World War III? Even though no one wants World War III, could foolish pride then, especially pressure from the very hawkish commentators on social media, lead the uh, NATO governments to essentially say, no, we need to take a stand right now. Otherwise we'll be giving in to a Hitler-like figure.
2: Pawns in the game, my friends. William Guycar, a great book, Pawns in the Game. Did you guys ever know, did you guys see the study that came out? Um, it came out, I think, last year that uh, 90%, uh, 90% of pro-Ukraine um, comments on Twitter out of 5.2 million were all Ukrainian, pro-Ukrainian bots. They're all artificial. It was all it was up. all
0: my bots. I programmed yep. them. I admit yep. it. I
2: believe it. I knew it was you. That's <laughs> why I wanted to bring it up, Lev. I wanted to verify that it was you. So, okay, we're good now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, like I don't know. Like I really
0: wish I would be on your side because it feels very nice to be on the position of not being, you know, of the same opinion as very, very cringe individuals that are on the side. And I think honestly a lot of normies, the reason why they support Ukraine has nothing to do with thinking about the unintended consequences of not doing that. I think it's just again, just listening to propaganda as it's, it's been propaganda, all the time. yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to my position of why I support it, it has pretty much to do with that okay if this happens then what happens after that if that happens what happens after that i try as well as well as i can to just think about these things and just lay it all out in my mind like creating this web of these various possibilities and unfortunately the possibilities that i see here is that and this may be the thing that all of us would disagree with um, with me on is i don't think putin is ever going to give up i think he's going to keep going for as much as he is allowed to keep
2: going. So you don't though, think he would stop with Ukraine? I think no, he stop with No, not that. at all, not at I all. I think He's he would never... definitely
1: stop with Ukraine because one, he doesn't have the practical ability to go further even if he wanted to. Two, now. there's NATO and I know, Lev, you think the NATO don't Article the 5 <laughs> guarantee is a, a bit of a piece of paper, but I think Putin takes NATO seriously because Putin has been very careful not to let the war spread into NATO countries. We haven't seen the Baltic states being attacked or their borders being breached. We well, haven't. They're seen already constructing Russia.
0: borders. I mean, uh, do you think that they're doing that just out of their own stupidity, that they're spending all this money on reinforcing the borders there?
1: Well, in the Baltic states, on their side, they're reinforcing the borders, but there's a long history there of hostility. And I think there is a kind of, unjustified, aggressive posture on both sides. I do not like ethno-nationalism at all. And having lived in Belarus, I observed kind of the beginning of the stirrings of nationalist sentiment, except of course in Belarus, any nationalism is a lot milder than it would be in Ukraine or in the Baltic States or in Poland, for example, because of the history, because Belarus historically has been either occupied by one side or the other. So for a long time, it was under the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And then it was part of the Russian Empire. But independent Belarus only existed for a couple of years after the 1917 Revolution and then after 1991. So the Belarusian people, they're more of the mindset of we want peace. Whoever rules us, we want stability and we don't want to fight we don't want to risk our lives and hence by the way I think it's very unlikely that Belarus will get involved in the war uh, on the side of Russia because the people of Belarus will refuse to fight and they would probably overthrow Lukashenko if he tried to do that so Lukashenko is trying to straddle the fence he doesn't want to upset Putin because Putin is the reason why Lukashenko is still in power but he also does not want to commit Belarusian troops to the war because he knows that most of his soldiers would refuse to fight and his people would overthrow him at home because they don't want to be cannon fodder. So okay. I actually think everyone else in Eastern Europe could learn a few lessons from the people of Belarus and their attitude because you could remember in 2020 they staged these massive, completely peaceful protests where essentially about a 10th of the population of Minsk came out into the streets to uh, express their disapproval of what was obviously a rigged election. But the protesters did not use any violence at all. And even when they were attacked by police, even when many of them were arrested and they were tortured, they just kept coming out into the streets and expressing their displeasure. And nobody can fault them for that. Uh, Nobody can say there are two sides to that particular uh, situation, Mm -hmm. because here was one side that was obviously well behaved, peaceful and just calling for justice and another side that was brutally suppressing them. If in Ukraine there had been a similar kind of approach in response to, say, the events of 2013 2014 when Yanukovych was cracking down on the Maidan protests we wouldn't have had this kind of situation that uh, Ukraine Mm. is unfortunately mired in today
0: but at that point though Putin was bringing in a lot of the uh, agitators from Russia And during that whole period of time, too, because like the people who uh, I know uh, who lived in those border areas between Russia and Ukraine, even though there was that government mandate about the language change, it wasn't this idea that people have in their heads of there being this animosity between Russians and Ukrainians like the Russians were living fine there. They got along with everybody, with their neighbors. They didn't really think of themselves at all as like separate peoples or whatever. But Putin did start sending a lot of uh, provocateurs in that area who were occupied. Occupying buildings and fighting at that time and a lot of that was the result so I know Kristan, you're kind of bugging out right now one thing that I would say there is that regardless of whatever stuff goes on behind the scenes of the elections and all that I wish that we would have an equal amount of let's say agency that we would give to the actions that Russia takes and not just the CIA international world order all that and I'm not one of those people who as you know Kristan completely dismisses that, no, I think we should fight against all of those powers and principalities that are doing whatever the hell they can to exert more control over us domestically, while at the same time understanding that there are also threats that are of a more international nature, like Russia. And I think both can exist at the same time. I'm just noticing people being very tribal, choosing one or the other. Either you support Ukraine uh, and not mind anything that the uh, United States government or these various international entities do, or you're completely against those various international WEF entities, you do not eat the bugs and live in the pod, but you don't want uh, Ukraine to get any help whatsoever to uh, fight this thing. So that's well, the tribal. My question is,
2: is, why is it us giving them the help? You know, uh, where we've been helping out the world enough and uh, we're not the policemen of the world and that's why we've had blowback that's why we had 911 that's why we've had these uh, you know growing concerns over surveillance that's why we now have a NSA that spies on all the americans you know it's because of the fact that we're over meddling in other people and they use it well, we're, we're to protect our liberties are free we're freebies. head cheese but do well, we have you know, a choice so, if we
0: if we were to have gotten to Europe and gotten Europe shit together militarily, then I'd understand. Then we'd have a little bit more of constructive allies here that would have been able to help out, but we don't.
2: Yeah, Ukraine isn't all that innocent either. Let's be honest. They have their issues with the Azov Battalion where we which we brought to the United States were Nazis and then we took them to Disneyland and they begged for a uh, training from us and they were going to fight uh the Congress no, I, met with a. a I uh, little...
0: disagree about the uh, Nazi thing. Like there are. But they got Hi-
2: tattoos. They literally came here with black sun tattoos and uh, Nazi symbolism. And I can tell you because I have family in Ukraine. They have the largest Nazi gathering annually of thousands of Nazis in there. So the Azov Battalion is a real thing. They are Nazi sympathizers, even though they have Jews that serve in the Azov Battalion as well. Well, that just because they're Nazis doesn't mean that they all necessarily no, hate Jews. I mean, look at look at Zelensky. He has the, has of the Italian working with them. Well, here's like, the here's one way that I could interpret what
0: is Hitler going on with Jew. the with the Nazi stuff there, especially considering so much of the leadership of Ukraine has been uh, Jewish and not just Zelensky. If we're talking about the other presidents, here's here's how I see this. There are people out there, like Bandera, for instance, like the people who support him. What I think we may be missing is the cultural context where during World War II, this was not a concern that people had back then of we are going to be aligning ourselves with this Bandera figure because, you know, like he's a you know, Nazi, white supremacist, whatever. In fact, it I would says say that they're my... they're
2: Nazis right on their page. My, my, <laughs> hold, saying. Saying. hold on, hold on. Uh, <laughs> who
0: wrote that page? Hold on. My... <laughs> ancestors who were like distant cousins whatever ancestors who lived in that ukrainian region they had no fucking idea that hitler was exterminating jewish people they didn't know that they lived in their village so when the um when the germans came in they had no idea what was in store for them Eventually, people started to figure it out, but it was, you know, too little too late. And as a result, you get all those mass deaths just because people had no idea that that was going to happen. So understanding the historical context of people back then being way more concerned about Ukrainian independence who were living there, as opposed to whatever collaboration Bandera would have been doing with the Nazis that is the main thing for them that is why those particular symbols resonate with them in a very different way than actually using those symbols as a justification for putting Jews in camps Th- that would never fly in different... america listen first yeah, of all yeah it's a
2: very different culture i agree listen well secondly uh, israel is literally supporting them and they have protest in israel against them supporting nazis in in ukraine i think it's well part uh, of
0: israel supporting russia yeah. Funny well, And you know, a lot of Israeli I'm, I'm politicians, telling, a I'm lot of Israeli saying, politicians are that Russia. They are
2: not Nazis is disingenuous. And I can say that you can twist it to make it sound like it. No, but, but what do you mean you them? When like you're saying Kanye- when you're saying them, do you mean the Azov leadership? Battalion? No, but do you mean the leadership
0: of the Azov Battalion? Do you mean, I mean the, individual the whole members? organization?
2: Is, is 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 foundation is based on Nazism? That's like the Bilderberg Group being founded by Nazis, and everyone being like, oh, well, they're just a world economic steering committee, which might be true, but uh, they. So have what Nazi are groups. what are the Nazi things that they have done recently? What would what would the Hitler-like things Every be? Every year they have massive nazi rallies in ukraine that they attend they're also you can i bet you even if you pulled up i bet even wikipedia would agree with me if you went there and yeah, pull up the wikipedia page and put it on the screen see what it says maybe maybe even the the, the crazy ukrainians agree with me i don't know i is there a way to do that I don't know. I don't know
0: why Janati's cutting out here, but uh, do you mean that the entire, like all the members of that? Let's pull up. Let's let's pull up. I don't don't know. Let's take a look at this thing. Let's take a look. Sure.
2: I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure that's a Nazi organization. Okay, so the unit
0: has drawn controversy over its early and allegedly continuing association with far-right groups and neo-Nazi ideology, its use of controversial symbols linked to Nazism,
2: and early allegations I mean, that members okay. of the unit so, I mean, participated that's pretty much like, It's not torture. enough to make a judgment on a person. I don't judge one person, even if somebody had that simple symbol. I would not say I would think they might be a horrible person. I might disagree with their political ideology. Um, I would not agree with those things, but I can tell you that uh, for all the complaints about Kanye West, those are the real Nazis, and we're sending them money. That's all I'm saying. I'm just no here. Here, here,
0: No, here's why I think that this is kind of ridiculous, and I'll tell you exactly why. Sure, absolutely. During the last Ukrainian election... They have like the Nazi far right parties there, they ended up getting like a 0.2 something percentage of the vote. Now, you would expect that a country that would be that in favor of all of these Nazi
2: activities, as you were talking well, who, about, nobody, they wait, get a you're, bigger... Now you're, you're misconstruing what I said. You said you're making it sound like the whole country. You didn't even ask me what my opinion is of how many there were, or how, like, is it a, the entire country being a Nazi, is a Nazi country? It's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is a large faction of their army has nazi tendencies they have a lot of nazis in fact they celebrate nazi victories annually where thousands of them come out and party in the street you can see there's news reports there's pictures there's videos they're not made up it's a real thing and to just completely say that there is no real nazi problem and that it's not a real thing is disingenuous that's all i'm saying i'm not saying that the entire army's nazis I'm saying that they are incorporating these people and us bringing them to the United States, taking them to Disney World and having them be the, 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 the cheerleaders to get more money in Ukraine isn't the greatest idea, especially when we're going around calling everyone that's a right winger a Nazi. That's all I'm saying. Uh, now, I got very limited time here. So I just wanted to say that I'm very thankful for this conversation um i love you should talk to uh don Vai jr my co-host as well he's a foreign policy expert that's his expertise and he as well would very much so go in detail about this subject i got family in ukraine They've talked But about would you this. but would you say that they have a lot of power because with the amount of
0: people who voted for these Nazis in terms of parliament I don't it was very little. I, I so I what are we even now, talking it, about we're here? We're talking
2: about the hypocrisy that we have guilt by association in the United States when none of it matters and yet we're funding the, uh, the the exact thing that we claim to hate here in America and Ukraine. That's all I'm saying. Like I that's why I say we should stay out of it. It's none of our business. We don't really know. Exactly everything that's going on there except for that I can't wait for Zelensky and Putin the musical to come out and they do a little like singing dance thing together on TV in the latex like Zelensky. All, always
0: all we do know and you could take it however you want that Putin has been going on Russian TV for many years now. And he's been putting up these graphs where he's talking about this is the territory that we're going to take. And it goes way beyond Ukraine. It goes into Poland. It goes into the Baltics. And you could right. say, well, you know what? He's full of shit. He's just going to keep on doing it. It doesn't mean anything. But then again, back uh, way back when, 2004, he did try to get uh, the uh, territory of Georgia. But uh, thanks to um, our government back then, he uh, backed off because we kind of scared him at that time. So again, like these things we could either dismiss the conclusions that can be drawn from the things that the leaders themselves say they're going to do we can say that they're you know lying that they're just bluffing or we can say that there is a chance that this could happen based on or the previous say activities or we just don't know
2: we could just say we don't know. Listen, and then,
0: rate? and then you're a betting man. Then you're going to say, <laughs> "I bet that Russia is going to stay exactly where it is in Ukraine. Once it acquires it, it's going to go no further, and that's okay. That's a position that you could take. I disagree with
2: it. I think Russia is gonna uh, is gonna win. I, I really do, and I don't. I don't hope this. I hope that it gets solved uh, and there's negotiations. Even there's more so, if it's going to win,
0: it's going to keep expanding. You do well, disagree. and I don't
2: think the people are going to win. I just want you to know, I don't think the people are going The government win. is going to win. And if the government the wins, then it's win.
0: going to regroup and then it's going to keep expanding just like Putin it's wants gonna it to. It's going to cause chaos. I think it's exactly. going to cause United States cause intervention chaos. like
2: Gennady mentioned. Yeah, so and, guys, and, and Ukraine and be will be screwed. turned into another Afghanistan. It's well, absolutely. Well that's on, the idea. That's Military industrial complex. Keep that money coming, Halliburton. Keep that money And rather than that, water. I would yeah. want the problem to be stopped
0: as soon as possible rather than yeah. what you just said, which is why, again, I'm not in favor of the military industrial complex, Kristan. But what I am in favor of is not having Russia keep going acquiring more territory that it's very likely to do that's my position i mean it's
2: like i, I want to be as clear-cut about why you, you don't think I'm... china's going to do that too we got a, we got a lot coming up i'm just we thinking that the world is, the world is heading towards a crazy time and it's weird how biblical it is i don't know what those people were doing as far as mushrooms back in the day book of I'm revelation sure... stream coming yeah, up the, the, the book of revelations is happening before in front of us and it's just wild because you know uh these guys were doing mushrooms and who knows what else back in the day and coming up with this stuff yeah and obviously it's a sensitive t- subject to a Italian. since my great-grandfather was uh, you know he died in a concentration camp it's a long story he was in Ukraine smuggling arms for the United States into Russia I think I've explained this to you before so um, um, obviously that's where my name Kristan comes from uh, amongst other things but they were Germans living in Ukraine because Ukraine opened up the land to the Germans mm-hmm. after World War one uh, long story short anyways Um, it's interesting. It is. And the truth is, we don't know. And I just don't think we should be involved. I think there's so much propaganda. Literally, anything that is anti-Ukraine sentiment, they ban on on Twitter. We found that out under the Twitter leaks yesterday. And that's that, bad. Yeah, it's bad. That's bad. Like, we need all genuine information. Even though Russia, they ban RT. Uh, listen, we should get that information. Because without all meta data, we can't make good decisions. And I understand they don't want any really propaganda in here. But our government propaganda is uh, Propaganda dizes us enough the way it is, I guess, but uh, it's weird. Like, listen, we got Russia, we got Taiwan, we got unrest across the world. And, you know, they're going to establish what uh, Joe Biden called the new world order. It's coming. It's coming. Obama mentioned it. Bush mentioned it. Bush senior mentioned it. You know, other presidents have mentioned it it's good the liberal world order is going to come under the world economic forum the question is is how are we going to implement change and take back our world love and we got to do that by educating everyone and breaking the matrix teaching them to think for themselves And uh, learn to question everything, listen to everyone, and have civil conversations about difficult topics like we did today. Absolutely. And without without me talking over Gennady the whole interview. We are living
1: in the most existentially dangerous period in human history compared to any period either before or since. I wrote an essay last year called 2022, The Year of the Great Filter, and we held a U.S. Transhumanist Party virtual enlightenment salon to discuss that essay and the participants' respective views on it. I am hoping that I will be able to stream another salon in April to update my views on how we are doing as a species and passing through the Great Filter. The Great Filter is that period in our history which poses the greatest danger to our species not making it through, essentially. And it addresses an interesting question, part of Fermi's paradox as to why we haven't observed evidence of extraterrestrial uh, sentient life forms, at least we haven't verified uh, that kind of evidence. And Mm -hmm. one possible explanation is that during the existence of any uh, intelligent species, there is a uniquely dangerous period, and we may be experiencing it right now, I certainly think that we are in a situation where we have the capability to annihilate all of human civilization, but we don't have some basic capabilities yet to prolong the lifespans of individuals indefinitely to cure many diseases, or to prevent political systems from collapsing. So we're in a uniquely vulnerable time. And I hope to provide some commentary soon about how we are doing what the continuation of the great filter is likely to look like and furthermore when can we hope to emerge from it so stay tuned
0: that sounds beautiful yeah, guys, i gotta I, go where um, uh, before you go one last thing i want to do a very quick piece of prose my world's on fire how about yours that's the way i like it and i'll never get bored isn't that beautiful
2: it is beautiful i want to say you guys are all beautiful like do you Gennady, know who that's by Lev. Oh, thank you. Was it Lady Gaga? No. It's like a... your quote, your, you listen to Lady Gaga. No, it's, a... like...
0: it's a Smash Mouth.
2: Oh, Smash Mouth. All right. Yes.
0: <laughs> I knew that. I was
2: giving you a hard time. So, Chris Tom, the where Scott can we find... Scott Music always makes me happy. Hell yeah. Where can we find you? Um, so, I do talk radio and I'm a reporter. As Lev mentioned, I'm known for being witness Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, I was also one of the prime uh, reporters covering the Ghislaine Maxwell-Jeffrey Epstein trial um i've covered over 150 protests including the george floyd protest so that's kind of my stuff all my stuff can be found on the rundown live we are now live under live after clyde lewis and ground zero at midnight central standard time it's a prime spot on kgra radio uh gennady holds a transhumanist forum every sunday on kgra it's digital broadcasting it's a huge platform um, they have a lot of like open-minded stuff, and they're really well known for uh, basically ex- like just in their in- like interested in everything. There's a little bit of everything for uh, everyone there. It's a radio station. They have everything from tech talk to police and crime to uh, paranormal late at night. And I go on after a world-renowned uh, Clyde Lewis at night with Ground Zero, and he's amazing. He's syndicated to over. 38 million listeners uh, nationally. So I'm blessed to be put in that position. And we got to get you back on, Lib. I just had Gennady back on. And nice. In fact, Gennady was on Clyde's show. And he impressed them so much that Clyde called me the next day. His people called me the next day. And they wanted to know who else I know. They're like, who else do you know? And I just wish they were all as smart as Gennady here. So uh, uh, thank you, guys. Gennady's and I wanna say treasure. Also, I want to say thank you to Gennady for welcoming me, armed with the Transhumanist Party. Because uh, I know it's difficult to have somebody... That seems to be constantly nipping at your heels, although uh, my purpose is uh, iron sharpens iron and yes. that we bring awareness to to the real to issues uh, before, uh, you know, they, they decide to start spraying stuff in the air, per se. You know, asking for forgiveness is easier than for permi- asking for permission. So like... Uh, I, I think Gennady does a very important thing there, and I, I want to say I commend Gennady and I commend Lev for holding a very positive debate. I don't normally debate people, um, so I normally like to have intelligent conversations, provide evidence, and discuss kind of like we did today. So Yeah, I it's more of a conversation than a debate. Than, yeah, correct, and that's the way it should be. Like That's the way a debate should be, and, but people are tribal. And yes. we have enough of that in the world. We need civil conversations about difficult topics. Exactly. And this is one of them. People don't believe it. And uh, there's a little bit, of, a lot more truth to the conversation than most people believe. You can look up patents at the very least. So,
0: Excellent. Well, Kristan, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, Gennady, uh where could people find you?
1: Well... As I am the chairman of the US Transhumanist Party, please go to our website at transhumanist party.org. You can also find me on my online magazine, The Rational Argumentator. That's rationalargumentator.com. Additionally, I have a Twitter account, as does the US Transhumanist Party. You can connect with me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, uh, Gennady Soleroff II. I have an Instagram account, I have a YouTube channel, which is G Stolyarov the second, and that is the channel where we also stream our weekly virtual enlightenment salons every Sunday at 1pm Pacific time, 4pm Eastern time, we generally invite a guest who is an expert either in a field of science or a philosopher, an activist, a politician. An artist, so we try to integrate the various disciplines the various fields of human endeavor and see if we can form connections throughout them and some creative new applications of these insights for improving the human condition and taking our civilization to the next level.
0: Sounds beautiful. And guys, be sure to smash that subscribe button right now and smash the like button. Click the bell. The bell is extremely important. And if you guys want to help build Break the Rules better, I want to do the Biden thing, uh, then be sure to uh, become a patron patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today, you're going to get a lot of fabulous prizes. You're going to get a lot of uh, beautiful things like wooden magnets that my father, Alexander Polyakov, creates. They are one of a kind magnets for the $20 patronage. They are going to be yours. So be sure to uh, not sleep on these. Look at that. You see it on the screen right now. Be sure to not sleep on these very beautiful magnets. And uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Oh, a custom magnet for $50 uh, patrons plus. So, and also the mp3s of the episodes after they come out, the patrons get those, as well as Discord privileges. So there we go. Oh, and speaking of Discord, I have no idea if you guys are on Discord or not, the people who came here from Janati, uh, but Break the Rules does have a Discord, and it does stream this on Twitch as well, and uh, also on, uh, what's that one, Odyssey, it also
2: streams on Odyssey. So Break the Rules is everywhere, and yeah, follow me on Twitter. Do you do the Rumble? Like, I've had huge success on Rumble. We get about 1,000 to 3,000 views per episode on Rumble.
0: Well, I am. it is on Rumble, but at the same time, it's kind of weird. Like, with uh, Rumble, you have to do it ahead of time to uh, stream, but the episodes do come into Rumble. I should probably start streaming on Rumble as well, though. So, uh, yes, that is it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I wish you guys the very best. See you next week. Good night, everybody.
1: Live long and prosper.
0: You guys have a good night. Stay blessed. Stay black because that's the most important.